What do your kids and grandkids need for Christmas? What do they need for Christmas? I, I, I know that that's a, a, a mom's and grandmother. I don't know if dads ever think about that. But um, they say, well, what do they need? What do they need? What do they want? What do they need? And what should I get for them? And how should I give it to them? And what, how does that go about? And um, I, I think that that's a, a very important piece uh, to our role in their lives is to think about them. Um, I, I want to prepared some things a little bit longer uh, than, than I'm going to go today just because I, I don't want to take away from what the kids have done. They, they did such a great job and um, Zach and Caleb McJunkin did uh, such a great job in putting these things together. I know there were many others too, but um, just uh, like what a blessing it is. If you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, I want to tell you that your, your kids and your grandkids have a problem. They have a problem. And I, I want to describe the problem to you, and then you can think through uh, w- what they need and how you play a role in their lives in getting it to them. And In uh, the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 4, and we're going to hit a few things from the book of Ephesians. And in chapter 4, verse 17, it starts, it starts to talk about something, a section that um, it, it, it really says, the first couple of lines there says this, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. What does that mean, as the Gentiles do? What do Gentiles do? Who are the Gentiles? If you think through, as Paul would share about the Gentiles, we've been looking at it from the book of Galatians. Um, it's, it's this idea of people who don't know God, who have no God. How do, how do people live who don't know God? How, how do people live who, who don't know the scripture? How do people live who don't know the story of Jesus. How do people live who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And the answer is they just do whatever, whatever. Whatever comes from their heart, whatever comes to their mind, whatever pressures they have uh, from the world, that's what they do. If you look in, uh, and I'm just going to breeze through this, Larry, if I don't know what you're going to do back there, but it's a huge section. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17, and then down through chapter 5, verse 7. I just want to go through this real quickly um, and just say this. If you look at this section, he's going back and forth, and the teaching is not what you shouldn't do, but it's what you should do, how you can walk with the Savior, But in walking with the Savior, he keeps pointing back to this is what the Gentiles do. This is what happens if you don't know God. This is what everyone else is doing. And and I know you get that. I know you get that. We could stand and give testimony of the dumb things that we did uh, when we had no Savior, when we had no Lord, when we weren't following the King of Kings, we were following the course of this world. He starts out in talking about the darkened understanding that we are alienated from God and our hearts were hardened. He, he talks about how they'd given themselves over to sensuality and greed and impurity. 
that they were corrupted by the deceitful desires. I think that's an interesting way to say it, that our desires cry out, our sinful desires cry out, and they say, I need to be satisfied. And if you satisfy me, you'll be happy. And they're deceitful. They're liars. Uh, they're pushed by the, the, the original liar, right? The one that is telling, telling us, these are the things that are going to be great for us. And it's deceitful. He talks about in verse 28, he talks about stealing and this desire for greed that, that goes to uh, grab and steal things that are not our own and how that's part of what it is to not have a God. If it doesn't matter that God is watching, if it doesn't matter that he holds you responsible for the things that you do, if it doesn't matter, if it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. And so stealing's just fine. Just get what you want. It only matters if you're satisfied. He goes on to talk about words. And this really this whole section is a lot about words and how powerful they are. Really powerful in the sense of doing damage. And that as part of following after Christ, things need to change when it comes to your words. In verse 31, he says this. I'll read it. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And he uses these words to describe the sin that's just pushing in, the sin that was so prevalent, the sin that was so obvious, the sin that our world is lost in. And he says, these are the things that must be put away. Uh, these are no longer. In chapter 5, verse 3 he talks about the sexual immorality of this world that is a part of a desire, a sinful desire of all. And lost and not having a savior, that's where we'll be lost in. And then in verse six of chapter five, he says in really the connection to all this that, the, that because of these things, the wrath of God is coming and on those who have uh, been lost that's our hearts, that's the problem, that's the problem of your kids and your grandkids, that's their problem personally, I know that's hard to believe, they're, they're so beautiful, I, I was thinking about these little ones and how they're all dressed up and the little dresses and you know, a couple of crooked bow ties and you know little men up here and what a, a blessing, and yet that sinful heart spoken of in chapters four and five of Ephesians, that's what they struggle with. That's their problem. It's not just that either. I, I won't go into great detail, but it's not just them. It's the world that they live in as well, right? Uh, I, I don't need to go to prove this. You already know it, right? What's the world like today? What's, what's the future? I, I think about the future uh, and you get to be a parent and a grandparent and then you, you, you have these things of what kind of world is, is going to be for our kids? What, what, what's that going to be like? What pressures will they have? You think about the pressures that you have and the pressures of your career to make money, the pressures of your marriage to, to love one another as you should and to raise kids. Uh, how, how do you do raise successful kids? You think about our debt-based world that puts pressure and inflation and everything costs so much and how much should you work and how much should you borrow and how much should you keep up with the Joneses or any other family here at this church. 
You think about the governments and how we are so connected right now and we have so much information about this government and that government and our government and, and it's, it makes you nervous as you think about the leaders of our world and how ungodly they are and you say, they're not going to help our kids for the future. You see plagues and, and sickness and wars and kingdoms rising and falling. And you say, well, our kids' problem is themselves, but it's also the world that they live in. Some of you here are embracing it. You know that you're older. You know that you're older. And you, you say things like this. Well, this isn't my first rodeo. This isn't my first rodeo. Uh, I have coarse knowledge. I, I remember one of the old duffers here from Bear Valley Church uh, trying to teach me how to play golf. And they said, you know, I, I, I know about this. I've played this course, you know, one or two times last week. And, uh, and, and as they say, I, I remember rolling up to a hole seven. Those of you who have golfed here in Bear Valley, hole seven is the water hole. And, and I remember them telling me, they, I remember them telling me, they said, you know, as a young guy in my 20s, they said, uh, rarely can somebody hit it on the green. Rarely, you know, in fact, if you do, most of, the, most of the time, if you try to, you'll hit it in the water. And they said, so you probably should just kind of hit it over there and then your next shot. Of course, I didn't listen to him. Hit it in the water. I've left a lot of balls in the water on hole seven. How many, how many of you have ever hit, hit a ball in the water on hole seven? Please, look around, look around. That's course knowledge. If you've never played, you too might hit it in the hole, in the water on hole seven. And if people tell you ahead of time, and you listen, and you listen, you don't have to hit it, but, but most of you will, most of you will. Um, course knowledge. I, I, I want to tell you that as we find our role as older people, parents and grandparents, and I include great-grandparents in there too, um, our role is to make it easy for the ones that come after us. Hey, uh, you're going away to college. Can I talk to you just for a minute? When I went away to college, there was a lot of temptations that I struggled with. There were situations, there were, there were evil people around me that would lead me into sin. And so I, I, need, I need to be careful about that. There's temptations of greed and, and, and wasting of life. And there's, there's sin and there's sexual, sexual sins and there's different things that you can watch. You think you're private in a way. You, you should tell them that ahead of time. So when they roll up into the situation, they go, oh, I've heard about this already. I've already been here. I haven't seen these people, I haven't seen this situation, but this is what they told me about. I'm ready. You have course knowledge. Uh, how many of you uh, were listening to that last song they shared, the kids shared? What's the line in there? Jesus, strong and kind. Um, that, that comes from an album I don't know if they call it an album today. I guess they do, but it's not really an album. It's just a bunch of electronic junk, uh, you know, somewhere. Uh, uh, it, it's from a, a, an album called Simple Songs for the Young and Old. Which one of those are you? 
okay, for the young and the old, young and the old. Um, Jesus, strong and kind. I remember hearing this song. It's from a group, City of Light. We believe that they have written some great songs. We sing a bunch of them. We don't know if they're good people because they're far, far away from us. Uh, We only know them uh, through their music, but they seem like they're writing some amazing songs. Um, And I I remember hearing it, uh, the the kids' voices, and I thought to myself, Zach, this is, you know, this is for the way he talked about it. We got excited about it, and it just kind of fit with what we're doing here this morning. Jesus, strong and kind, to hear the kids singing that. And, and it's funny because I, I watched some of you parents, you had to listen to this too, and so you were singing it. Good. And uh, I hope that as uh, the kids sing it, that they'll remind us to sing it, that we would remind each other that Jesus is strong and kind. It's interesting, this particular song, they have another version of it that... Um, the kids aren't, there, there are no kids in this second version. You can find it online. But it is a, a group called the, the Philippine Survivor Network Choir. And, and what these are, I believe they're all ladies that have been uh, trafficked. Uh, they are, are traffic survivors, that they have come out of that life. And they're singing these words, Jesus, strong and kind. And as I think about this, I I want us to know for ourselves and for our tribes, for our families, for the people that we impact, for this church and the churches like ours, that we understand that Jesus is strong and kind. I want to just say this, imagine your kids in the future, imagine your kid's life without Jesus. Imagine your kid's life without Jesus. And even as I share that, even as I say that, I I, want to be sensitive and I want to acknowledge that some of you are are burdened with that today. You roll into church today and you're burdened with that. I want to say this, don't give up. Do not give up. That simple message of Jesus being strong and kind is the same message that your kids who are wandering from the Lord need to know today and that you can pray for that for them and you say, hey, I I heard a song in church today. I wanted you to hear it. I thought of you. I thought of you. You know, here's a scripture. I I thought of you. I'm praying for you. I love you. You know, that that continued hope for them who are wandering. But imagine your kid's life without Jesus. Paul, uh, the apostle Paul, he uh, speaks of being saved, he, he uses this idea of being in Christ, in Christ, that because of what Jesus did, him coming, dying on the cross, that we can be not just saved, but we can be found in Christ. And he uses it for many different things, but he describes this idea, this unity, this salvation that comes that we are stuck with him, in him. And that all that he has, we get to experience because of our relationship with him, because of us abiding in Christ. And I, I want to share briefly, maybe it's not going to be brief, but I'm, I'm hoping to be brief. Ephesians 1.7, I just want to blow through some of these things that you might see what it is to be in Christ. These are very few verses, but I, I think they highlight, they highlight what it means to 
to be with Jesus. Ephesians 1.7 says this, in him, okay, there it is, in him or in Jesus, in Jesus Christ, in him, we have redemption through, through his blood, the forgiveness of, of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We'll st- stop there. Uh, I want you to get this, that, that in, the, in verse 7, it, it talks about redeemed. Redeemed is a word of sal- salvation or a word of slave ownership transfer, right? That we were stuck and we were redeemed, we were bought. We, there was a price that was paid, it was Jesus. And he goes on to describe this redemption by saying this, the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness of sins. Who needs, who who needs the forgiveness of sins? Who needs the forgiveness of sins? I I think of all us who are older, how many sins we've racked up, you know. We racked up, we have a rap sheet, you know. Santa Claus has a long list, but we have a longer one of the sins that we've committed. How about your kids? How about your kids? And, and some of them, it's just in their heart right now. And you just, it's funny. It, it, it's that sobering day when you figure out that your kid's a sinner. They can't even talk, but they're saying every bad thing they can about you in their mind. They're screaming and they're, they're wanting to communicate to you and it's not good. You should be thankful that they don't have words that day because they would tell you some things that would shock you. In him, redemption, forgiveness of sin. In him, because of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17. God's word uh, says this. It shares with us what this new life in Christ is all about. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What a blessing it is that that there's a newness of life, a different life of lost in sin that can now be lived. This new life is new and eternal life in Christ. Romans chapter 8 verses 38 and 39. The permanent presence and love of the Father in the Son. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Um, Yeah. Even if these little ones reach the age of 85, right? Nothing shall be able to separate them. They're in Christ as we look at this, we realize that to be in Christ is everything, is everything. As I consider these, uh, these scriptures, I, I think that if they are in Christ, he is strong enough for anything that would come, anything, anything. I, I, anything that, that comes and and, and uh, as we look out in the future, sometimes as parents and grandparents, we fear. We go, oh, no, what about this? What about this? What about this? 
And, and I thought it was especially funny, uh, the kids sitting there talking and, you know, they, they put their arm on the chair. And there's a certain confidence, you know, that, you know, some of it was just distraction. But, but even as they brought about these answers with confidence, Jesus died for us. Jesus died for us. He rose again. He rose again. He came. God loved us. so. Like, and they're sharing these things with confidence because they're true and they know the answer. When the, you know the answer, there's a sense of confidence, even if you don't know what the day may hold. And so as we look at uh, what it is to be in Christ, I just want to tell you, his strength will be enough. His strength will be enough. It'll be enough for you. It'll be enough for your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids. I know it's a sobering fact that uh, sometimes as I, I project out and I say, well, how many years will I be around? I don't know. I don't know. But I know this, that uh, for me, Christ will be enough for me on the day that I die. And he'll be enough for my kids and grandkids if they trust in him for every day, every day. And even if I'm not around, even if I'm not around, even if the Lord takes me out, it'd be great. Uh, it'd be great to be with him. E even if I'm not around, Christ is enough for them. He's strong enough for them. It's kind of two interesting words. His strength will be enough, but his his kindness will also be enough. I, I want to say it differently. His kindness is necessary for me. Is necessary. I, I think about his kindness and the great display of his kindness is his grace, mercy, and forgiveness. In fact, in Romans chapter 2, you, you don't have to turn there, but you can look it up later. It says, um, it talks about the kindness of the Lord Drawing us or leading us to repentance. How, how does the Lord bring us to himself? Sure, he shows us what our sin is. He shows us, you know, how many times we fail and our fumblings. But he says, he sticks his hand out and he says, I'm kind, I'm merciful, come to me. His kindness leads us to repentance. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 one of our uh, ladies, some of you know, uh, Pat Cott, and uh, she's struggling at the end of life. And yesterday I got to uh, see her and I, I got to read these verses to her. And as I was reading them, she was reciting them to me. Uh, and, and I want to say that, you know, when your kids are young, you want them to know this. But on the day, uh, the last days before you go to be with him, you want to know this as well, confidently. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a, a result of works, so that no one may boast. No one may boast. The grace of God. His kindness. His kindness. If, if it had to be based on your works, on your goodness... You'd never make it. You're not that good. You're not even a little bit short, right? You're a lot short, as am I. It's not on the basis of works. It's not on the basis of our goodness. It's on the basis of his kindness and grace. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, 
It speaks of Jesus as being this one who is for us. And it says this, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, that our kids sung about. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, yeah, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What I picture is this, that we need his kindness, his his gentleness, his mercy at the point of time of salvation, but for the days after as well, right? Right? That, that, that we have, that he didn't come just to save and say good luck to you after this, but he came to save that he would be our forever help in this life, in the life to come. I, I look at this and I, I think through um, what the lives of these little ones are. and They're, they're going to struggle with all kinds of things, Right? They're going to have, have different things in their life and different people in their life. The world's going to get to be a worse place. I know you can't imagine it, but maybe you can. And I, I want to tell you that his kindness, his kindness, his forgiveness, his grace is enough to handle their failings throughout their life. From the little to the old, from, from, from the young to the old, Jesus is enough. I want you to imagine your kid's life. I want you to imagine your kid's life. As I think you young parents here, maybe you don't have even kids yet you're thinking about. Maybe you young people who are here today and you, you dream of having your own family. And, and you should, you should. This is God's intention. This is his design. Man and woman come together and they... Uh, the next generation would come out of them. And that's a challenge. I know it's hard. It's hard to think about. I, I get it. I get it. But imagine your kid's life without baseball. Imagine your kid's life without dance, without rodeo, without a college degree, without a scholarship, without hunting, about motorcycle riding, about wealth, without art, without music. Imagine your kid's life without these things. Some of you heard me say that and you go, what are you talking about, pastor? It's interesting, as parents, we, we get to choose. We get to choose. It's not, you know, for those of you who are younger, you can decide what your kid's like. I know that's kind of creepy. But you can, you can. Uh, yeah, we, we did plenty of that with our kids growing up, plenty. And, and it, it's not that you can decide everything, but you can encourage things over other things. Imagine your kid's life. And so you do imagine your kid's life. And so you, you say, hey, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to be about hunting or we're going to be about horses and animals. A lot of chickens up there, a lot of chickens, you know. People of my own heart, right? You know, chickens. Yeah. Uh, 
You, you think about what, what it is that we kind of say, hey, kids, this is what our family is going to be about. Imagine your kid's life. Imagine your kid's life without Jesus. Imagine your kid's life without Jesus. I, I, I want to tell you, parents and grandparents, your, your kids need to know you have a singular love and everything else is secondary. They need to know. They need to know. Hey, we, we kind of plan the thing. And, and I wanted to tell you this too. It, it is about making them a part of a church or a church like this, right? This church or a church like this. If, if you move away, you know, but uh, if you go away, if there's some other church, that's fine too, right? But, 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 but it's about this. But you know what should happen at home? This should be the big church. That should be the small church, right? The churches should look kind of the same. What happens at church should also happen at home. The churches should look the same. There's just one that's smaller, you know, and meets all the time. And this meets sometimes, okay? That's what it should look like. Imagine your kid's life without Jesus. And I I just want to ask you this question, parents and grandparents. Who is strong enough to deal with the issues of life without Jesus? Who? Not me. Not me. Let me pray for our kids and for our families, the generations to come. God, thank you. Thank you for each one here today. And I just thank you for the blessing. Maybe maybe listen well to the kids' encouragement today as they shared with us. God, may we think, uh, may we have a plan. A plan that would honor you in the generations to come. May we have full lives, but not full lives without Jesus. May may we prioritize, may we uh, honor and worship Christ the newborn King. God, thank you for each one here. Glorify yourself here at Bear Valley Church. Thank you for the blessings of these little ones. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.